This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we speak to Oanda senior market analyst for Asia Pacific, Jeff Halley. Good morning from London, Jeff. And good afternoon from Jakarta. Let's start with the latest from the markets where you are and a rather mixed picture. Yeah, look, most of Asia is in the red today, with the exception of mainland China uh, and also the Hong Kong's also roughly unchanged as well. What we've seen today in China, after all this recession talk that we saw into the end of last week in the United States, we've seen base commodities fall quite heavily in China on the futures market. Iron ore futures, steel rebar futures, coal, copper have all fallen quite heavily. I suspect there's two things at work here. One would be a slowdown in the global economy led by the US, reducing demand, but also China left its one in five year loan prime rates, which is the base rate for prime customer lendings by the big banks. It left those unchanged today. So there still doesn't seem to be any uh, intention from the Chinese government for broad stimulus. I think that's played its part in uh, commodity prices falling today. That's seen China markets actually rally slightly because prices have got cheaper. We've seen the CSI 300 up 0.8%. Shanghai's up about a quarter of a percent. Hong Kong's up around about 0.1% as well. But across the rest of Asia, all this talk about recessions has seen Asian markets fall. Australia's down about 0.75%. Japan down about 0.6%. South Korea, which has a very high correlation to the health of the US economy, has fallen quite heavily today, down around 2.5%. And that's really the picture that we're seeing across the rest of Asia, modest down days on a US holiday. And that slowdown for the global economy has hit the oil price as well in recent days, has it not? Yeah, on Friday, we saw uh, oil futures capitulate. We saw, uh, I think, WTI fell by nearly 7% and Brent crude futures fell by around about five, five and a half percent. It's holding steady in Asia. It dipped initially, but it's climbed back into the green. I think that's just intraday noise in itself. Look, there's a bit of a divergence, I feel, between the real world, uh, which where supplies of oil are very tight and supplies of diesel, gasoline, these refined products are even tighter. Natural gas, we know the story about that in Europe at the moment as well. That's the real underlying physical market. I think things are still quite tight there. We haven't seen these recession uh, calls leading through to a plummeting of demand destruction. I suspect that those falls that we saw in the futures markets on Friday night were more driven by a, uh, a clean out of speculative long positions. Now, I'm not saying that oil hasn't, uh, isn't now topped or anything like that, but I think it's too soon to assume that we've seen uh, the top in oil prices and that they're going to stage a material recovery, uh, a material move lower. We do have some long-term supports in oil futures uh, around in Brent crude at around 107, and in WTI that that line comes in, uh, which is a six-month support line, comes in around 106. WTI looks the uh, more vulnerable at the moment. But I think from a technical perspective, we would really need to see um, a few daily closes below those levels before um, we start reassessing whether we've seen the absolute high in oil prices and whether they can move back below $100.
And those lower oil prices, obviously due to recession fears following uh, the rate hikes last week. With those rate hikes, I mean, the Fed, 75 basis points. We saw the Bank of England as well, Swiss National Bank, of course. Is there any murmuring in the business community that the rate hikes that we thought might have happened might not be as steep going forward? No, we're not at that point yet. We have to remember that a lot of the uh, yield curves around the world had already priced in a lot of hiking uh, before the Fed and other central banks, such as Australia and SMB, as you you mentioned, even got started. So there's quite a lot of hiking already built into the market as, as it stands right now. I still believe there's upside risks because Although inflation may start to slow down in the world, we could be in for a period of quite sustained high inflation that moves sideways, i.e. prices stay high, they don't start dipping immediately. So, And that will really only start changing towards the end of the year when some of these one-off effects and the CPIs start dropping out of those calculations. So I, I don't think we're there yet. I'm not hearing any movements in the market saying, oh, the Fed's going to hike less now and, and things like that. I think we're going to have to see a, a real, a really large sustained slowdown in the data. We saw industrial production and manufacturing produ- uh, production numbers from the states on Friday. They were softer than expected, but they're still expansionary. So it's not that uh, it's not like the world economy or the US economy has suddenly run into a brick wall. Let's talk about the uh, cryptocurrency uh, industry, Jeff, and uh, it looks like it's braced for further turmoil. We've seen $900 billion wiped off the Bitcoin market alone since last year's peak. If you recall, that was back in November. It was at $69,000. And the price of Bitcoin at the moment, as I stand, it's around about $20,000 just below that. And there's been a lot of volatile trading over the weekend. Yes, uh, for the listeners who aren't aware, Bitcoin and other crypto markets do trade in the OTC market seven days a week. So we can get some strange moves over the weekends when there's probably a little bit less liquidity around. But the move through 20,000 on Saturday, we saw uh, Bitcoin fall to just below 18,000. So that was a drop of around 15% on Saturday. Now that break of 20,000 looked like compulsory liquidation of positions by uh, brokers, et cetera. Uh, that's, that, it looked like that sort of sell at worst move to cut uh, clients out of unprofitable positions. Uh, on Sunday, we saw all of those uh, losses reversed and uh, Bitcoin made it back just above 20,000. But now there's more rumors um, circulating today uh, about other crypto lenders in that space, the DeFi space, um, being in trouble. And we've seen Bitcoin move uh, back, but just down to 20,000 actually, down about 2.7%. It does look like a bit of a dead cat bounce uh, from from my perspective uh, right now. I think for Bitcoin to uh, to, to unequivocally say that it had traced out a bottom uh, in pricing, we would need it to rise back above 28,000. As I look at my charts at the moment, we're a long way from that. Um, it, it's like I've, I've said perhaps previously, there's never just one cockroach. And so there seems to be more of these little problems coming out of the crypto sector at, um, at, at a regular pace. And we have to remember that the crypto rally was perhaps the worst excess of um, asset price speculation and appreciation that we saw as a result of central bank 0% uh, 
quantitative easing policies across the pandemic. And so in a way, I think what we're seeing is crypto is coming back to a level that perhaps it would have been at had we not had that unusual monetary policy. There'll probably be some uh, pretty worried cryptocurrency traders uh, out there at the moment wondering how they're going to get some of those losses back. Yeah, look, I think there's definitely going to be more pain in this industry because, as we just alluded to before, there's quite a big decentralised finance component within it as well. Now, I never quite understood how they managed to conjure up 17 20% returns by lending out cryptos that they took in from depositors when the rest of the world and the real world is running at 2 or 3% or even 5%, whatever you want to put a number on it. Those, out, those returns look too good to be true. And from my uh, bitter experience over the decades, uh, when something looks too good to be true, it always is in the end. And I think, I think now that we're in a high inflation, rising uh, yield environment, that uh, we're seeing a, a few holes appearing in a few asset markets uh, as that reality is repriced. We're seeing it somewhat in the equity space uh, and we're definitely seeing that reality being priced into the crypto space now as well. Okay, Jeff, it was a pretty busy week last week with uh, all those central bank announcements and uh, some of them shocked the market. We talked on Friday with uh, Ed about the Swiss National Bank hike. What about this week to come? Are you expecting a much quieter time? I'm not sure I'm expecting a much quieter time. What we're going to have is a lot less tier one data releases. We've got uh, US uh, new home sales tomorrow. Uh, Now that housing data recently in the US has been looking uh, pretty ugly, to be honest. Um, That may be further confirmed tomorrow, remembering that uh, the US is on holiday today. And at the end of the week on Friday, we have existing new home, existing home sales, same as uh, the new home sales uh, downside risks there. Uh, we do have a lot of Federal Reserve speakers this week. In fact, we have a who's who of Federal Reserve speakers this week. And in the absence of a lot of tier one data releases around the world, uh, I, I believe that will drive intraday volatility. The highlight of which is Jerome Powell, the Fed chairman, who will be speaking on Wednesday and Thursday. So I think this week will be driven by headlines, which means that we're probably going to have a very choppy, uh, volatile week, but it may actually ultimately end up being not very directional. Okay, Jeff, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Have a great week. You too, and have a great week, everybody. This is the Oanda Podcast.